We've got two Bible readings today and for each of our November services. We're going to be looking at our bodies, our beautiful, broken bodies. And we hope that the pair of readings will help us, uh, give us a big vision of what living in one of these really means. Our first reading today is from Psalm 139. In it, we hear King David struggling with the idea that God knows everything about us, knows us inside out. Is that something wonderful to be celebrated? Or is it something we should do our very best to run from? David can't quite decide. See what you think. The second reading is from 2 Samuel 9. We're still with King David early in his reign. War is over. He's back at court. One of the old king's sons, Mephibosheth, expects to be killed because that's what new kings do to old king's sons, especially when they're disabled. So listen to how Mephibosheth has learnt to see himself. Today's reading is from Psalm 139, verses 1 to 18. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your presence? Where can I flee from your spirit? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn and settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, the darkness will hide me and the night light will become night around me, even the darkness is not dark to you. The, light, the night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. All your works are wonderful, I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained to me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast the sum of them. If I were to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. This is the word of the Lord. The second reading today is taken from 2 Samuel chapter 9, verses 1 to 13. That's 2 Samuel chapter 9, verses 1 to 13. David asked, is there anyone still left of the house of Saul to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? Now there was a servant of Saul's household named Ziba. They summoned him to appear before David 
and the king said to him, Are you Zeba? At your service, he replied. The king asked, Is there no one still alive from the house of Saul to whom I can show God's kindness? Zeba answered the king, There is still a son of Jonathan. He is lame in both feet. Where is he? The king asked. Zeba answered, He is at the house of Machir, son of Amiel, in Lodibar. So King David had him brought from Lodibar, from the house of Machir, son of Amiel. When Mephibosheth, son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to David, he bowed down to pay him honour. David said, Mephibosheth! At your service, he replied. Don't be afraid, David said to him, for I will surely show you kindness for the sake of your father Jonathan. I will restore to you all the land that belonged to your grandfather Saul, and you will always eat at my table. Mephibosheth bowed down and said, What is your servant that you should notice a dead dog like me? Then the king summoned Ziba, Saul's steward, and said to him, I have given your master's grandson everything that belonged to Saul and his family. You and your sons and your servants are to farm the land for him and bring in the crops, so that your master's grandson may be provided for. And Mephibosheth, grandson of your master, will always eat at my table. Now Ziba had fifteen sons and twenty servants. Then Ziba said to the king, Your servants will do whatever my lord the king commands his servant to do. So Mephibosheth ate at David's table like one of the king's sons. Mephibosheth had a young son named Micah, and all the members of Ziba's household were servants of Mephibosheth. And Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem, because he always ate at the king's table. He was lame in both feet. This is the word of the Lord. Today, we are focusing on that amazing phrase from Psalm 139, that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Every single one of us, not just the young ones, the elite ones, the dizzyingly beautiful ones, all of us are fearfully and wonderfully made. We are all a thing of awe and wonder. It's really important that we remember that this is more than skin deep. This phrase, fearfully and wonderfully made, is not one that we reserve for the beautiful and the toned and the high-minded, the top 10%. In fact, there's a running distrust through the Bible on any beauty that is only skin deep with the fear that it's superficial or illusory or a cover for cruelty or avarice. Writing in the middle of the fourth century, St Augustine of Hippo wrote about his shock that we so easily overlook how amazing we are. He couldn't believe that people got so wrapped up in the beauty of the stars or a mountain scene and yet never stopped to consider how fearfully and wonderfully made each one of us is. You, me, we're all design classics. Perhaps one of the most important biblical texts for us to consider is from Genesis 1. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. The next five weeks are really 
going to be an extended reflection on that great truth. We are made in God's image to know him, to know love, to be loved, to be his stewards of creation, to enjoy the world that he has given to us. So let's jump inside these amazing bodies of ours for a moment. Remember, you are a design classic, better if it were possible than a VW camper van. You make a million red blood cells every second. Each one will rattle around your body about 150,000 times and then be killed off for the greater good. You are made up of seven billion, billion, billion atoms, all of them cooperating to make you, you. You have one meter of DNA in every single one of your cells. All your DNA together, lined up, would get you to Pluto, which is 10 billion miles away. But please, don't try that at home. You have 99.9% .9 of the same DNA as everybody else, but no two of us are the same. Your largest organ is your skin, and its cells are replaced every month. You shed one million pieces of skin every hour. So next time you run a finger along a dusty shelf, you are in large part clearing a path through fragments of your former self. To dust you shall return. Most of you have five senses, but even if you don't, you can still appreciate the beauty of the world in a multitude of ways. Uh, you can use language to express thought and feeling and fears and dreams. You can learn a new language or a new skill. You can balance, you can juggle, you can pick your nose. You are made to know and to be known. You are amazing. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. And not only are we made in God's image, we see from the life and the death of Jesus how important the human body is to God. When God's Son came to earth, he came in a body. He touched and he flinched and he weed and he held and he laughed and he bled, just like us. The theologians even have a word for this great truth, incarnation. God took on our carne, our flesh. And what happened after Jesus' death? He didn't float back to heaven. He came back in a resurrection body with the promise that one day we would get one too. You are a design classic. Forget the 2CV, you are the real thing. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are beautiful. But of course, that's not all there is to say about our beautiful, broken bodies. How we feel about our bodies is messed up. It's tempting to say, more messed up than ever before, but I don't have the authority to make such a statement. If I were to ask most people listening to this, how do you feel about your body? It's unlikely that your instinctive answer would be, well, do you know, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I am a design classic, me. To be candid, we'd more likely talk about our body dissatisfaction or even loathing. Sitting on Zoom all day doesn't help, staring back at your slightly distorted self back to front. 
a lot of people intensely dislike themselves, the way they look, the way they walk, the way they come across, the way they compare to other people. If only I was a bit more this, or a little bit less that, or a bit more of the other. And truth be told, Christians have not always helped with this. There have been some dark moments when Christians have been guilty of fostering a hatred of our bodies and bodily pleasure, a, a kind of a raging self-hatred that is ultimately God-denying. We've been guilty of believing that the body is some kind of worthless cage for our soul when actually we're told that it's a gift through which we experience God and life and love. We also need to recognise that there is no perfect body, there is no perfect mind, there is no perfect person. As we'll see more next week, even the briefly gorgeous are just that, they are briefly gorgeous. Yet we find it tantalisingly easy to belittle and sideline those who are different. For not only are we fearfully and wonderfully made, each one of us, we are also broken and decaying and wounded and imperfect. Some of those imperfections we carry from birth. Some come through external forces, injury, disease, trauma of body, mind and spirit. Some come through the unrolling of our years. To rejoice that we are fearfully and wonderfully made is not to claim that we are perfect. We clearly aren't. To rejoice that we are fearfully and wonderfully made doesn't mean that we despise those whose body or mind or spirit is wounded or it's not firing on all cylinders. Instead, we love them because they bear the image of our Creator God. We love them because we know that however shiny or rough and ready our own facade, we too are broken and fragile and vulnerable and needy in the best and truest sense, needy of love and mercy and understanding. So we're going to go on, on an adventure this next four weeks, stopping to think about these beautiful broken bodies we are. Next week, we celebrate that we are briefly gorgeous, that human flourishing is temporary, but the love of God is forever. Then the week after, we think about pain. Is it a blessing or is it a curse? We think about the Christian hope that one day God will wipe every tear from our eyes. Then we will look at what it means to be made male and female. Male and female together reflecting the image of God. And lastly, we will focus on how to eat, drink and be merry. How to enjoy a life that we know one day will end.